Welcome to the Sunday Chance Politics Weekly, where we unpack the week's big political stories. I'm Mike Siluma. Our two big stories of the week this time are, first, the election manifestos of the main political parties and the themes coming out of those. And then, secondly, we'll be looking at the digital vibes scandal, whose report has just been released by President Ramaphosa. This econ is racist. I've never, ever been a spy. Can the PBS bank loot? The problem is that pinky. I'll never subject myself to whiteness. I'm listening. Can you have consistency, Honorable Chair? Corruption was an Olympic sport. They will always win gold. This is not a shit. Can you please come in? Hey, let's welcome our guest now, uh, William Gumetia, who's the Associate Professor at the Vet School of Governance, as well as Amanda Koza, who who's uh, the Sunday Times politics writer focusing on the presidency. Uh, Amanda, let, let's start with you. You, you have been you know, observing the, 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 the election campaign uh, since it started you know, uh, about a week ago. You traveled, you, you traveled with the president to Soweto. Uh, you've been observing what the other political parties are doing. How, how would you say COVID has affected the campaigning so far? Um, thank you for having me, Bra Mike. Um, it's definitely affected the way um, parties campaign. Um, let's start with just the most obvious one is that there's regulations that are in place right now, which is an adjusted level two. Um, and that, that only, it, it, it controls the number of people that are allowed. So what I've seen with um, the president or the ANC, as well as other parties, is that it's very difficult to control the number of people that come out to listen to the president, even when he's doing door to door. Even other parties, I've seen this, it's not just the president of the ANC, is that sometimes they will face people who will say, although I haven't seen it, um, people are very reluctant to open for um, somebody, whether they trust it or not, just because it's the pandemic. And there's a lot of fears um, of safety insofar as like people wearing masks. I've seen a lot of instances where people don't even social distance and people, you know, rush to the president or whoever the leader is that's in their community. And then they, you forget about social distancing. You want to take pictures. You want to touch the official or the, the politician that you've seen on TV. So you get stuck in this excitement of the elections and the hype that we almost like forget that, oh my gosh, we can't, you know, be um, really in close proximity of one another. What I have seen is that the president of the ANC constantly uses those gatherings to remind people to get vaccinated. He reminds people that we can't be gathered for a long time because we are still in a state of disaster and the pandemic is still with us. Because another thing that they're avoiding is um, this election campaign, you know, turning out to be a, 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 a super spreader event like we've seen in India. Um, so it has been very, very challenging. It has, especially as well with the finances. It's very difficult right now for everybody. Um, the economy is not doing well. Um, so they have, you have seen, we've seen um, people having having to be... Um, you know, creative, uh, using social media. They were, the, the DA's one was virtual. Um, you know, it's, it's been difficult. I can say um, that from what I've seen is I think they're doing the best that they can, um, but it hasn't been easy. The pandemic has definitely changed the way we do things. William, I'd, I'd like for you to, to come in here because I was just on the back of what, what, what Amanda has been saying. I was looking 
at the, at the EFS uh, rally, uh, which had a lot of people uh, on, 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 on the weekend. And then I was looking at the ANC one, which also seemed to have more people than, than the, the, the regulations allow. Um, and, and the DA, before the ANC one, the DA was saying that you know, something has to be done, the, the, you know, law enforcement must do something about the EFF rally. But it looks like the, 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 at least some of the political parties are battling uh, to, to stay within the, the, the regulations, uh, the, the COVID regulations, within the scope of, the, of what the law allows. Absolutely. I mean, the way I looked at it also, I mean, just looking at the campaigns, um, clearly, um, you know, most of the political parties actually lost control um, over um, their supporters and members in the context of um, sticking to the regulations. Now, you know, we, yeah, on our hands, we may actually have a kind of India kind of super spready uh, event um, during these elections. And so far, it looks like, you know, that may just be the case because political parties appear to be very disciplined. I mean, they're not disciplining their members and they're not making absolutely certain that people keep to social distance, that people have masks um, and, and so on. So, you know, so um, I'm afraid that we may, after this election, we may see, you know, another spike um, in um, COVID cases. Mm. Amanda, so let, let's go back to the, to the, to, to the, to the campaign tra- uh, trail. Um, the, 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 which would you say are the parties to watch? In other words, who will, who will, who will have the biggest impact on the outcomes? I've heard people talk about the, 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 the top three parties. Should we be talking about the top three parties? Um, it's, I think it's difficult for everybody. I think the ANC is definitely the one to talk about um, not not necessarily for the right reasons, but in that they they are they are selling us a, a renewal project. They are selling us again a new dawn. But um, I mean, we've seen we've seen some changes in the way that the, the government is handling issues of corruption, service delivery. But I mean, it's going to be very difficult to convince South Africans again why we should trust you. I mean, the president was telling us about. Uh, last night at Lutuli House during the media engagement that he's got certain expectations for the new incoming councillors. And then if I'm a, a voter or as a South African, I'm going to say, why, why should I trust you again? After all these years, you have failed. Um, we've seen processes like the in- interviewing of mayors. So there are changes in the way that parties are doing things, because I think they've seen that um, being just a popular candidate in the area or, um, I don't know, maybe financial muscles in the area, that's not good enough for communities. Communities want candidates that care. Communities want candidates that live in the area, that are, um, what can I say, like they, they know the community, you know, and they know the problems. You know, they sh- their candidate should be somebody that you, you, you can go to with any problem and they should be able to assist you. So it's about like going back to basics. And I'm not sure, I'm, I'm really not sure. It's going to be difficult for everybody because I, I think every party's got its challenges. But I think South Africans just want people that, candidates that are, are going to deliver. Okay, so, so you, you've mentioned the, the, the situation around the ANC. Which other parties, you know, should we be looking at? 
In case it ends, what's interesting for me is to see how the NFP will, the National Freedom Party will, will perform because they missed out in the previous local government elections. Um, what could have a negative impact for them is the, the death of their leader, Mams Zanela Gamakwaza Msibi, but there was quite a dent when uh, she left the, the IFP. So um, I'm interested to see how that's going to work insofar as KZN. I'm interested to see how um, Herman Mashaba's party is going to do. Um, they, they, you know, they, they, they seem to have the money for the posters and the campaign. It's going to be interesting how they do. There's a lot of smaller parties that are, are coming up. So it's going to be interesting other than just the obvious ones, which are the DA, um, ANC, EFF, and you know the IFP that's that's uh, dominant in um, KZN. Yeah, William, I'm, I'm Amanda has just been talking about the K, the, the, the ANC, uh, the, the, the situation in in in, in Guazulu Natal, uh, but. We all know that uh, the ANC has got serious problems internally, including the violence that's happening, you know, you know, among members, you know, not all members, but the violence that, that relates to contestation for, 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 for nominations, and et cetera. Do, do you think that that will have an impact on the showing of the ANC or whether they will, they, they will close ranks because now they're going into an election? I think, you know, firstly, this is mostly the most open elections that we've ever had um, since the end of apartheid. So, you know, um, um, uh, so a couple of changes in all of the pro- prominent parties. I mean, uh, ANC is under pressure. Um, it's almost two parties. And my sense is most probably it will be very difficult um, for um, Sir Ramaphosa to pull together um, some of the people or some of his opponents in the ANC itself, but particularly in KwaZulu-Natal, um, to get them to go out there and get a vote. I think there may be a go slow in the ANC where some opponents of Ramaphosa would uh, want him um, not to do well or want the ANC not to do well in this local elections because if the ANC gets under 50 in this elections, I mean, that really is a, it will be a case for the likes of the Ace Mahasules and the, um, the Jacob Zuma group, um, and um, the radical, the so-called radical economic transformation group, you know, to call for a vote of no confidence in the coming in next year's ANC um, national um, elective conference. So even, you know, even from a Ramaphosa point of view, this really is a tough one. It's, a, it's going to be a very challenging one. And I think it's going to be the, for the first time where people actually are not going to close, may not close ranks because, you know, there'll be enough ANC leaders and ANC members who want to see the ANC drop below so they could have a, a very good case to call for a vote of no confidence in the upcoming elections. But having said that, there's also, I mean, there's also some really exciting things happening. I mean, it would be interesting to see how the Carter Freedom Party um, is going to perform. I mean, they've had uh, a very smooth uh, transition, leadership transition, some look some very credible people, some very respectable people, uh, so, some very mature uh, speaking people. So it would be interesting to see whether, you know, they're going to get um, the vote um, and also Herman Masaba. I mean, he brings a, a, a totally new dimension um, to our, our elections. I mean, how it, it would be see, it'd be interesting to see how we would now with his own party. He's not under uh, the DA, doesn't have the kind of you know, resources and people that he has under the DA, how they can perform. But for me, you know, that uh, the, the last of the very interesting would be also the DA is <laughs> also a leadership change under Stianism. 
um, to see actually, you know, are they going to reduce their numbers? Are they going to stabilize it? Is there going to be a, an increase? And then maybe lastly, the independents. We now have so many independent candidates. How are they going to perform? And um, there are a lot of potential, of course, in independence. In some countries like Ireland, for example, I mean, they have such a big tradition of independence where you could even become a president uh, as uh, on the basis of that you're an independent person like Mary Robinson, the most successful, one of the most successful post-war uh, prime ministers of Ireland who turned around that economy um, and turned it into a miracle economy, what we call the Celtic miracle. She was an independent uh, candidate and became president. Hmm. I'm just, just, just looking at the at the manifestos. Uh, I think the, the, of the let, let's say of uh, because the ones that have been prominent, you know, the EFF one, the DA, and the and the ANC one. Um, do do they give us an indication? Would you say of who they are targeting? Or not really? Um, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm. Not, it's very difficult. Uh, I, I'm not sure if I can. I can tell immediately who they. There are one question that was asked to President Cyril Ramaphosa yesterday, uh, which I found interesting, is that they asked him, um, you know, are you prepared to to be uh, a governing party only in rural areas? And he admitted that while the votes in urban areas were, you know, dwindling, um, you know, it, that's not the case. But I, I think he may be in denial <laughs> about mm. that, um, that the ANC still generally... Um, gets a lot of support in rural areas um, for various reasons. But I think in, in like urban areas, like people are just like so sick of like, like basic things, not streetlights not working, uh, potholes, um, the rubbish not being collected. It's like the basic things. And I think when we in urban areas, you have a better understanding of what do you expect from your local councillor. So I think it's very difficult um, to say um, it's difficult. Hmm. William, are, are you seeing any trends there as to what, what are the key uh, deciding issues likely in, in, in these uh, elections? No, I mean, for me, the trend, I mean, just to take over what Amanda was saying, I mean, the ANC, I think, is going to become even more and more rural uh, party. So after this election, I mean, remember the 2016 election, essentially, you know, if you analyze the, the local government elections, the ANC had become fully, fully fledged rural areas, and which is not, um, which is essentially the, it's a, it's a trajectory actually of other liberation movements also, like um, in Zimbabwe, Zanopier. It was also uh, the case in Zambia, uh, Kenako Unda's uh, party. You, you know, just as, as the parties decline, they lose, um, they first begin, begin to lose the urban votes, um, the educated people, the middle classes. And then, you know, they have a transition phase where they only have rural voters, um, where they've lost the urban. So the ANC fits into that of transition and then sort of the next phase thereafter normally if you if, you know if you look at the trends and look at the stats uh, from other liberation movements is actually out of power uh, after the rural base you lose the rural base then you um, um, out of power and I mean the other trend for me is in terms of you know how we get young people um, to vote I mean young people are now um, they are the largest proportion of voters um, how are we going to get them um, to vote and then for me also I mean Will people believe the ANC um, that it's uh, the party can still be changed and that are candidates that the ANC is putting forward uh, are, are candidates um, who uh, will deliver, um, given the fact that in the past the ANC and its candidates on the ground have, have mostly not delivered? 
Mm. And, and, and the promises, uh, William, that, that are being made by all the political parties, how, how attainable are they? You know, I, mean, I, tell, I guess it, it, it says something about our system because most of the promises really are not credible. Um, so unfortunately, since 1994, you know, our political culture appears to be um, a culture of making promises which are actually not credible. Um, and secondly, uh, promises which really realistically um, uh, can never be implemented. And unfortunately, of course, people lap up these promises um, and, and then these parties who make these promises cannot, uh, cannot deliver. I mean, it was interesting, I saw from the DA's manifesto, for example, what they, they, they try to show what they have done, um, you know, their success stories and uh, hoping to, to convince people that if they get into power in more towns and, and even in the rural areas, they will replicate that. Um, so that is interesting, but, you, you know, but it's also most probably not good enough um, because there's something about our politics where um, one has to sell it a little bit differently. Um, also, almost, and I saw the DA had, I mean, their, their launch was online, but we still have a bit of an old-style political culture here of people want to see... Um, the faces of, of candidates and of the party. They want to uh, see people. Maybe they can't touch people, but they want to see them um, um, out there. Mm-hmm. And, and, and uh, Amanda, is there any indication, you know, when you have gone out into the streets and, and, and observed, uh, with the, the level of, of interest and engagement, do you find that there's a lot of, of, of excitement or is, is it more muted this time around? What I've seen on, I'll speak for the ANC because not for them, from what I've observed from uh, mm-hmm. following the, pres- the ANC president is that there's a lot of anger. I've never experienced anything like that where, okay, might I over TV, but just on phys- physically where the community doesn't care and they're chasing you away and I mean, just on the promises that William was talking about, I was so surprised. So firstly, the, when the ANC launched its um, election campaign in Soweto two weeks ago, uh, President Ramaphosa made serious uh, promises, but then I was surprised at the timeframes. So the, the, the visit was on Saturday, and he said by Tuesday in, the one, in one of the communities, they would have electricity. So I was, I couldn't believe what I heard. So I decided to go back there to check whether this was the case. Cause I was like, um, you can't, you can't, you can't have, you know, a year of, of a blackout and um, ESCOM um, implementing blackouts in a community. And then within two days, you're going to do something about it. And I was so surprised to hear from the community, the feedback was that all of a sudden they had seen ESCOM, you know, changing transformers, um, they were digging up, um, you know, faulty li- uh, electrical lines and replacing, um, you know, all the faults. And there was uh, an indication that something was being done. But what stood out to me was that the committee was like, why, why do you always do this on the eve of the elections? Why is it that when we complain to our local councillor about the rolling blackouts or water cuts or crime, uh, 
it, these things only get done, bridges only get cut, and the robots are uh, the lights go back on only when it's on the eve of the elections. And I think that's what infuriates a lot of South Africans is that you know where we live and you know our issues only when it suits you or when you want our votes. Between the five years, we don't we have we don't know who our candidate councillor is. We've never heard from you know our our ANC president, you know, he's, we only see him at a distance, but when it's time for the vote, they know the people. So I think that that really, really makes South Africans mad is that you know what to say and what to do and fix our problems only when you want our votes. So I wasn't surprised when um, the president received a very hostile reaction. And that wasn't the only time, even on Sunday this weekend, he received such a hostile uh, reception in Tembisa because the, the community was saying, but, you know, we, the candidates are being imposed that this is not what we agreed, you know, um, and, it, and it's pretty obvious to the communities out there where I've seen uh, cases where they're like, no, we can, we can, you can't fool us anymore with this, the, the promises on the eve of the elections. We just don't buy it. So yeah, there is there is a will to, to to tell them the frustrations. At the same time, it's like they don't believe the ANC. That's why I made a point to say maybe you should just always go back and check whether the the, the promises that are made are they ever followed through, mm. or is it just an electioning um, a stunt that the politicians pull? Yeah, William, the, the 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 situation that's just been described by by, by Amanda does it speak to um, perhaps a defect in our electoral system? I mean, they're walking around and people talking to the president and complaining to the president. I mean, the president is the president of the country, not of a local council. Why is is that not happening? Why are the local councillors not doing what the president's doing at any given time? Going out, talking to people, discovering what the problems are, et cetera. Is is this a defect in our system, would you say? You know, it is. I, I, I do think it's a deficit in our system, but it's, it's not most of it not necessarily to do with political parties, but I think it's a whole of society. Um, because um, I think people still believe they vote on the basis of parties, or many people still, not all people, but many people, on the basis of party and a party national leader. Now, that becomes a problem because, you, you know, the, the leader and the party... Uh, um, are not a people at a local level that's going to do the performance because at a local level you need you, you know councillors that you the people should vote for who are competent and who are honest um, and who are imaginative and innovative and and, and so on. Um, now I think people keep on making a mistake. Um, or people um, that look, you know, they see this Absalom pause as a president of the ANC. They hear him making promises. And, um, and so on. And on that basis, they then vote for their local uh, person, um, which I think um, is a problem because you, you, your local councillor, uh, ANC local councillor may not have the capacity at all to deliver anything um, and so on. And that really is a problem. I mean, they, at the other part of our electoral system, of course, obviously also that we um, vote for parties and the parties come up with a list system. Um, but at a local level, there is it's a split because, you know, there are provisions for the parties to come up with their own list, but there's also provisions um, for more constituency-based uh, basis 
Um, so maybe what we could do, what we could look at the future in terms of reforming the electoral system to actually make it much, much more constituency based so that uh, even at a local level, people have more opportunities than currently the case to vote um, rather at the, um, of, for at the, um, or the choice um, of the candidate, so that not the party choice of the candidate. Okay, now, now let's go to the to the to the other big story of, of, of the week, uh, the release by the president of the SIU's report on uh, the digital vibes uh, scandal. Uh, Amanda, you, you you would have expected that uh, uh, people, you know, he, he he would have been showered with praise for for transparency, etc. But it looks like he he took more heat than he otherwise, you know, one you know one might have expected him to. Um, that's correct, bro, Mike. And I think one of the, there's many different reasons why people are responding this way. I'm just going to count a few. The first one is that um, there's complaints that he took long to act. So <clears throat> he justifies the slow pace of releasing the report because he received the report from uh, the SIU Special Investigating Unit in June and he only released it yesterday, right? So he says that he's a man that believes that um, pro- the correct processes need to take place. So if you're an accused and there's allegations against you, you must be investigated, then you must be placed on suspension, and then there must be disciplinary processes. So he explains that that's the reason why he takes long. And then I think another reason that um, has infuriated people is the comments he made when uh, shortly after the minister resigned in August, uh, when he said, you know, we thank him for his services. Again, he was asked this last night during a media engagement, and he justifies it as, well, we can't take away his contribution to, um, you know, the, the government, his role he played um, in, um, you know, the HIV campaign, the TB, and, and now as the, the man who was steering the ship on the pandemic. He says, we can't take away the contribution that he's, he's um, done in the country. And, he, you know, he still gives them a pat on the back. You know, the opposite side of that is that, well, he stole money. Well, it's alleged that, you know, he, there was misconduct we found, or the SIU has found that there was, you know, gross misconduct. And he failed, you know, South Africans in that he, he should have uh, played a more oversight role. I mean, he, he was directly linked in this. I mean, it's unbelievable what's contained in the report. I just cannot, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah. Um, He's catching a lot of flack because I, I don't know whether I don't know whether he feared the former minister or why why he was on tippy toes around the matter. Um, yeah, I just there's a there's a lot of reasons why he he's catching um, a lot of flack for you know taking so long or not being hard enough. You know, some would say that he should have been fired much earlier because essentially um, he allowed uh, the former minister to like resign, he had that like, he could state his side of the story. Um, like, he should have been fired. Even now he's still an MP. It's like, I think South Africans are just like, but you're talking about, you know, dealing with corruption. He has all the evidence, but you don't act. But I mean, he, 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 he said to us that um, he's a man who's, who believes in processes. People must be given a chance to state their side of the story. You, you know, we must, you know, that's what he says. Um, yeah, that's what the president says. William, would, would you say that, that in, you know from from where you're sitting, how how else should he have, given the 
criticism that that he's had to 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 endure now. How how else should he have handled the matter? Amanda says that he probably should have fired him a long time ago. No, absolutely, he should have fired him a long time ago, um, in order to sow his resolve um, or his claimed resolve, um, because we haven't really seen um, beyond the promises of being tough on corruption. We have, haven't seen action. Uh, and, and it's a nice, neat <laughs> excuse to say, well, actually, I'm a process man. Um, I'm waiting for the law. Uh, and, so on. and I guess that really is a problem with the ANC. Um, and what I come to currently is that, um, you know, um, there's no, people don't take responsibility for, um, responsibility for what they do. Um, and they all hide behind um, the law and processes. And then when the law and processes come, they try to delay the law, you know, those processes, like as in the case of, of Jacob Zuma. So we don't have um, the, the values um, system and the morality um, to actually hold people accountable. And, and that's been the biggest problem of the ANC. And, you know, people sitting there in, in, in Ramaphosa's cabinet, I mean, as corrupt as you can get. Um, and to, to speak about being tough on corruption and those people are still sitting there or sitting in the agencies, anything, doing nothing about it, I mean, it is not very credible. Mm. Amanda, finally, you know, the, 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 are you aware, because you, you would know, because you, you, you work these stories, the, are you aware of anyone so far being charged and convicted for any of these scandals where, 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 you know, particularly the ones that are relating to the PPE uh, issues. In, in this particular case for, for digital vice, for example, you've got, you had a case where uh, the minister resigned, then they, 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 they um, suspended the, D, the director general, Dr. Sandy Le Boutelezo on Sunday. But there was this Dr. Anban Bile, that, that, that his deputy was still coming to, you know, talk to us during the, the Friday briefings. And we were like, but it's been said that he was implicated in this and he went on to do his job only up until today when the minister um, gave us a report from uh, the department side. Is he saying that, well, we've decided that we're going to suspend by the end of the day, uh, six people within the department, you know, but that, that's not good enough. That's not good enough. Um, they knew about this or the investigations or the first story about digital vibes was in February and parliamentarians in the committee that we sit in for the health were saying, but you've got to act. There's preliminary act, uh, uh, evidence that shows that there's been, you know, um, corruption, fraud and corruption in the department, but they didn't act for a very long time. I, I, I'm not aware of anyone in this particular case, I would say, because I've been monitoring it very closely, who has either appeared in court, um, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody has even, been, we haven't even started that process of people appearing in court or at least being asked to, at least they must give back the money or pay back the money. Yeah. Yeah, we haven't seen that. Instead, there's also money that's just still missing and they're still investigating. Um, I haven't seen so far. I haven't seen. William, that, 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 does it surprise you that, that it looks like the, the wheels of justice have hardly moved in terms of the PPE issue and even with digital vibes? No, it doesn't surprise me because, I mean, the difficulty with the ANC is that so many people are corrupt. 
um, in the party, in the municipal party, and among the membership. Um, so in order to deal decisively, if the president is very serious about dealing decisively with people, he will then um, break the ANC itself, um, which essentially we actually need. But I think, importantly, um, the ANC is never going to change. It's never, in reality, going to be tough on corruption um, unless the voters decide, look, you know, to vote for another party or for other parties. Um, so ANC can lose. You know, only losing, I mean, and we've seen now, I mean, not um, in Africa or in the developing world, but around the world, that no political party has ever in history self-corrected. So that we, there is no such an example. I mean, I have searched and I have looked and others have written about this. No party has done that. The only time a party has been able to renew and to to change its ways and become more honest and, and less was when people didn't vote for it. And now then they got a bit serious. Um, so I think uh, unless we get there, um, to expect the ANC is going to change, um, really is going to be waiting forever. <laughs> okay. I think that's where we'll wrap it up on the Sunday Times Politics Weekly for this week. And I'd like to thank our guests uh, for this week's conversation. Uh, Amanda Koza, who's the Sunday Times politics writer focusing on the presidency, as well as uh, William Pumeta, who's as associate professor at the Vet School of Governance. And by the way, you can find a podcast of this conversation on Iona.fm, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or whatever you prefer to source your podcasts. Until next time, we still say stay safe, sanitize, wear the mask, and avoid crowded places. I'm Mike Siluma, signing off.